chance, one life, one take. Little room for mistake. Who do you uh, Welcome to the be? Dead Funny, Dead Serious podcast. Uh, my name is Mitzi. I am the host of this series. This is 30 End of Life Doulas in 30 Days. Uh, our guest today is Brie Rose. Welcome, Brie. Yeah, thanks for having me. It is our pleasure to have you. Uh, Brie is joining us from Seattle, Washington, uh, and she mm -hmm. is the founder of Stone Circles Collective and Stone Circles Doula Care, correct? That's correct. Yeah. That I'm uh, yeah, founder of Stone Circles Doula Care. That's my personal business and co-founder of Stone Circles Collective, which is a collective of several other doulas in the area um, and one remote who have their own businesses as well. Excellent. Excellent. And you have a remote person. Look at you. We do. She moved to Hawaii. Oh <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're going to be remote, do it in Hawaii. Exactly. Yeah. Yay. Okay. I'm a little jealous, but we're just going to keep going. Uh, so we're going to just dive right into your why. What What brought you to Annabelle Dula? It was kind of a, a mixture of things that pushed me down this, have funneled me down to the path of death doula, um, starting with one thing that I've heard other doulas um, in end-of-life care talk about, which is the interest in um, advocating for rights for birth, for and so interest in birth doulaing. I am a mother, and I learned a lot about how women are taken advantage of and misinformed, and um, home births and birth doulas and how beautiful that is to take back that kind of authority and power over that situation. And so there's that interest in that threshold. And then um, I got my degree in psychology at Seattle University and my um, senior seminar project was on making meaning through death and funerary rituals. And in that study, I it opened my eyes so much about how important ritual is for death and dying and funerary practices and how the Western world is so lacking in comparison to much of the other world and their comfort and familiarity with death and the practices around it. Um, and I saw the, the um, documentary, what is it called? Family Undertaking many, many years ago, over 10 years ago when that came out, when it was available on Netflix and then found out that there's this thing called death doula. So I'm like, okay, all of these little pieces are coming together and forming a, a picture. And that's, that's the path. That's where I'm going. Wow. On Family Undertaking, I'm actually unfamiliar with that film. Is it a documentary? It is. Yeah. It's actually, it's not available through any streaming services. You actually have to purchase the film through like an educational website. I can send you the link, but it's, okay. it's really profound. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Yep. I'll look into that. Um, it sounds like it made an impact on you. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's um, definitely a moment when you realize that things that you thought were not in your hands and that weren't legal, that um, you actually have the power to, to DIY it. DIY? Cut that. You, know? <laughs> you have the power to take it. things into your own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, it is. And thank you for bringing that piece up, the the ritual piece and, you know, how we've gotten so far from um, so many different types of rituals. We have what we call the traditional funeral, 
here in the United States now um, is primarily what we use, even though there's so many different cultures, even in America, uh, that have different ideas. But I think when we're especially looking at film and movies, uh, because that kind of influences us and tells everyone what America thinks about funerals, it's really that traditional um, in a funeral home with a large casket mm-hmm. with you know, funeral directors and that there's other choices and we just have kind of gone this direction of like the traditional funeral is the way. Um, so it's really interesting that we studied that piece and, mm-hmm. and that it brought you here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it just felt right. And there's so much representation. I'm kind of going back to birth doulas. That was when I gave birth to my daughter, um, almost 15 years ago now, that was kind of a new thing. And birth doulas were a new uh, available resource for people. And that uh, there's a, they're very available now, whereas death doulas are something that kind of 15 years later, I feel like we're on that same precipice where birth doulas were when I had my daughter. So people are realizing that it's a thing and that it can be helpful. And more and more people uh, are wanting to enter that realm and help in that way. Yeah, it, that is um, kind of a parallel path, right? That we're hoping mm-hmm. that end of life doulas kind of follow along and become as known as birth doulas and accepted. Yeah, it's just threshold work on one end or the other. Yeah, um, I think one of the other doulas called it full care, full life, full spectrum. Full spectrum. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Doing both sides of the work, which is really um, astounding. Oh, all right. So we know what brought you into the work. How did you go from kind of studying this piece of uh, the rites or the rituals to saying, I'm an end of life doula? I started with um, training through an elder, and that was informative. I didn't learn a whole lot more than I hadn't already learned in my psychology training since I was aiming to be a counselor. So active listening, uh, how to really hold space were things that I already had skills for. Um, I was really aching to learn more about the um, ritualistic green burial, um, home funeral, as well as all of the spiritual side of things and that wasn't really provided through that. So that was again, another chunk. And then I went on to several other trainings, which are listed on my website where I learned things such as body washing or um, funerary herbs. Uh, also legalities. I became certified as a advanced care planner so I can do uh, advanced directives with people. I'm a notary public. I can notarize those and make them legal I'm an interfaith minister. So kind of acquiring all of these skills from everywhere that I could find them and uh, putting it all together and also volunteering at hospice for the last several years gave me some time spent with the dying. And at one point I just realized I have to, I had a hard time calling myself a doula and other people were getting on my case about it. They're just like, you are this, you have so much experience or knowledge that you've gained throughout this. You are absolutely capable. You can call yourself that now. And 
I wasn't giving myself enough credit. And I realized that I realized my worth and my education and it's like, yeah, that's what I am. And I stepped into that path and stepped into that role and I've been doing the work. Yeah. It's a journey. It really is a journey on, on all the different pieces of learning, specifically when each doula, you know, whoever is listening to this series of podcasts, you're going to hear 30 different stories and everyone has a different um, specialty, a different niche, a different point of view, a different, you know, flavor to them. And it's, it's hard to understand, like when you get this training and that training and this training, like when is that done? Uh, for your specific value and stepping into it. And in transparency, I met Brie at the Inelda training, and this is many moons ago. Um, so I've known Brie for years and years, and it, it was this interesting uh, path to getting here and look at, I mean, we both have very different trajectories on what this looks like, but watching you grow and learn and get to this space where you feel that kind of power that you can step into it has been amazing so right yeah and not that my education is in any way complete I'm consistently attending trainings and seminars and reading books and furthering um what I can offer to people and it's it's pretty endless which is exciting for me somebody who I love being a lifelong learner I would go to school my whole life if I could and so I'm essentially doing that just with self-study Absolutely. I, there's so much to learn. Um, I, I think we probably have this in common. A little bit of why I chose to work in the end of life field is that there's no answer. Um, mm -hmm. And I go back often to, I, I'm a therapist and I work with uh, families and all of my therapist peers have all been children before, <laughs> right? Uh, if you're an adult, you've been a child, but none of us have been at, at on our deathbed right mm -hmm. literally on our deathbed sometimes we come close to dying but we don't die that's different but like we've mm -hmm. never literally been on our deathbed and so there's this unknown piece of it that is beautiful uh but it also has to make you a lifelong learner because there's just so many options <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and there's so many different ways to process death um for the person who is dying and for the people around them and so many different ways to support and different people to support and yeah it's a lot and i think that's why it's so important that there are so many different styles of death doula because no specific one is going to be right for everybody everybody dies and not just conservative people or not just christians it's going to be such a giant spectrum of the types of personalities who need this help so to have more of options with um with different doulas who have their work specified in different kind of niches and directions it's really wonderful that they can find somebody who's going to really work with their values so so true and this is unscripted so i'm, I'm going to ask permission if we can touch on your work uh, with LGBTQ and elder orphans um, mm -hmm. and that space, because I think it's powerful and people I'm sure want to hear that part. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do a lot of advocating for um, advanced care directive education so that 
people can have their loved ones be the ones who have custody of their bodies upon death or um, who will advocate for their rights and identity upon death. So with an advanced care directive, especially the ones in Washington state, um, End of Life Washington is the, the paperwork I use for my advanced directive workshops. And I even have people in other states when I do workshops there um, do a simple one for their state and add this one as an addendum because it has a point where you can name somebody who's going to be in charge of your funeral planning and not your health care decisions because the decisions for your end of life care will end upon death. Um, but the main thing for LGBTQ community and uh, elder orphans, as you put it, so adults with uh, maybe they're estranged from their family for whatever reasons is prevalent in LGBTQ and uh, magical communities where if, so for me, for example, uh, I'm not married to my partner. We've been together for a decade, but I don't want to get legally married. A lot of people in our communities don't necessarily want to get legally married, but he's named on my advanced care directive. So if something were to happen to me and I was in a hospital room and I was dying, he's not legally or blood related to me, but he can bring in that paperwork and sit by my side. And he, if at the point that I die, he can have that paperwork and take my body home. And that will be where I would want to be. It wouldn't necessarily be one of my parents who I haven't seen in many years who suddenly have this legal authority over me when I haven't spoken with them. I do have a good relationship with my mother, by the way, just not my father. But a lot of people in, in trans communities, if it's somebody who has found their chosen family and identifies um, the gender that they feel um, that they identify with, and that is... So for trans individuals um, who are not supported in their gender identity by a parent who's maybe um, kicked them out as, when they were younger... If they don't have this paperwork in place and this legal um, this legal sovereignty that they've uh, established, then that parent can come in upon their death and dead name them and misgender them and dress them not as they wouldn't want to be, and their chosen family would not be able to attend their funeral. And all of these things they fought for in life will have been stripped from them. So I really try to educate the communities about how to maintain that upon death and not just in their life. Whew. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think that that is just, you know, all the mic drops uh, for that piece. I think we need to have this conversation today. I think you need to listen to this. I think everyone that's listening needs to share that uh, out to the community. I think it's just so dang important um, and not mm -hmm. spoken about enough. Even, I mean, I'm in grief and loss and thanatology. Mm -mm. But we don't talk about that enough. And, and if we can just keep uh, elevating that, I would appreciate anyone, <laughs> anyone that wants to yeah. elevate Brie in this conversation. So let's, let's do it. If we want another episode with just that, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do an online workshop for everybody in real time. And that's, the follow through is really important though, too, because I have done so many advanced care directive workshops and educated about death rights and death care. And then I'm just like, okay, now it's up to you to go get it notarized here and like make copies and do the thing. And so many people don't follow through with that. They're like, okay, I filled it out. But like following through with notarization and getting it done, I feel like such a nagging mom of like, you have to do the thing, get your paperwork finished. Cause I want them to, I don't want it to be for nothing. I want that education to, to really have a purpose. 
Yes, let's get them in the class. And even more important, let's get those papers like notarized and signed and in the hands of, of everyone that needs it. So. Yeah, that's why it's been hard doing it remotely, because if it was an in-person thing, I'd just stamp it right there for them. But I have to <laughs> I have to just encourage them to go get it done. Yeah. And I was also on the on the back end for senior centers doing end of life advanced directives. And there was a little waiver. So we are recording this in early April of 2021 at the end of a year of COVID. Um, there was a little addendum that it could just say in lieu of COVID. Um, this is not notarized and it was going, they, they believe that was going to be legal for a hot minute. I don't know if that is still, um, up in, in the ether of the legal world. Um, but we did have that and saying that, even though if anyone did that, we are now at the space where we can start getting things notarized, um, and please do it as soon as humanly possible. And it's safe to do so. Uh, let's get all those papers signed. It's so important. Yeah, or even witnessed, which is something that you can do just in your own house. If you have housemates that are not named on the advanced care directive, just have two of them watch you sign it and sign it themselves as witness. And that's, you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything. It's so easy. You just got to follow through. Yeah. Yeah. I did some um, drop-ins to just notarize people's things out on their patios um, mm -hmm. over the last year, just to make sure that we were getting there. So it's, it's a, an abundant problem um, making sure that that paperwork is done. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's enough for all of us. So we just have to elevate that as well. Get, please have all your family members do the paperwork and, and get it done. It helps everyone. So, mm. all right. So we kind of covered a little bit of challenges in there, but you know, as you started Stone Circles Collective and your doula care business, what have been the challenges you found being a doula? Um, well, I mean, obviously COVID, I'm sure that that's a very common thread throughout everybody that you've spoken with. Um, right when we kind of launched the business is when COVID hit, which was actually helpful in some ways because it did force me to redirect some of um, my offerings. And what I've done most, I think, throughout this, besides advanced care directive workshops remotely, is I've learned how to offer guided journeys um, for grief processing, which is something that I'll do remotely with people. We'll set up a time. I've even done um, specific specific ones for people who are grieving a loss of, like there was a family I worked with uh, toward the be middle beginning, I don't even know anymore of COVID, who uh, the son in the family had died unexpectedly. And I we all got tested and I actually was able to go um, to their space and do a live sound bath with gong and singing bowls and journey about this closure with him saying goodbye, giving any final messages, receiving any final messages and um, complimented that with some of my teas and spirit baths. So I was able to kind of give this full um, experience with them, which I maybe would have not had that skill had I not started doing a lot of journeying distance distantly through um for grief processing processing online that's one of my challenges um yeah and then just in in person it's it's you can't do anything in person I haven't been able to volunteer at my hospice in over a year now and it was somewhere that I was at for years and I yeah I got used to being there every week and then I haven't been there but I think uh it's coming up soon that I'll be able to go back so I'm looking forward to that Amazing. Yeah. 
um, I like how you chose kind of these different ways to touch this space um, mm-hmm. and kind of fill in these um, pieces for folks. Going to, um, it seemed like I was going to segue into the the products that I've been creating, which is a, another way that I can help people remotely in a sense. Um, something that I had the idea of before COVID, but really had the time and focus to be able to utilize is I've been making grief care products. So it's uh, gifts for the grieving and tools for the doula. Um, as death doulas, we really love to have our special tools that we can bring with us to a death. They're like to, to gift to grieving families and people who know somebody who is suffering the loss of a, a death. They don't know what always what to give to provide comfort. There's You can send flowers or there's different... Um, gifts that you can provide for people that are don't always fit the, the personality of the person or aren't as universal. I uh, worked with an herbalist and developed three tea blends, for example. One is a grief relief, uh, restore and rebuild is the second, and the third is heart healing. And it kind of goes along with the stages that a grieving person goes through. Yeah, they're all in my online shop and there's other other tools there as well. Things from like obsidian palm stones to to hold for grieving. Um, I just made an anointing oil that I put on there. I'm developing a few sprays and uh, a wash for um, for the family to wash the deceased. I'm, I have an oil blend that as well. Yeah, it's really interesting uh, the different spaces that you've kind of covered um, with your collective and with this work. So mm-hmm. as you're you know, there's been some challenges. So what are your hopes for the field of end of life doula? I hope that it becomes more accepted and that people are able to be um, more open to education just for what I already ranted about with advanced care directives, but also education regarding their death rights and having the courage to keep a body at home and feeling um, capable with that and feeling powerful and able to take care of their own, not only knowing that they can, but feeling okay with calling in somebody to reassure them and kind of help them through the process. So yeah, my hope is that end of life doulas will be able to help the community take care of their own, not to do it for them, but to empower them. Yeah. Uh, we had another another duel in the re- in the recording was saying how we're educating ourselves out of jobs, right? If if we do it, our work correctly, um, mm-hmm. and helping everyone. And I, I like that you touched a little bit on home funerals, and we didn't get real deep into that, but we will continue this conversation uh, as we go um, and the rights and everything else. So doulas, a lot of them do have that information, and I think that's an important part to put in this. Uh, room right now is that you know there are certain laws and, and rules and regulations doulas are also pretty knowledgeable on that and to help you if you wanted to do something like that oh yeah uh, amazing so much good stuff uh in this um just a really interesting take on this work and i appreciate you always so thanks yeah. again brie for being here mm-hmm. So happy to have connected with you way back when. <laughs> way, way back. 
Um, so a huge thank you to Brie Rose. Uh, all of her information can be found in the show notes. Um, can you tell everyone real quick uh, where to find you on social media? Uh, social media as uh, Stone Circles Collective on Facebook and Stone Circles Collective on Instagram. And yes. then everything about my personal uh, business, Stone Circles Doula Care, is just on the website, stonecirclescollective.org. Amazing. And your Instagram is pretty awesome. Uh, so everyone should go over there and like that because it's pretty um, yeah. awesome pictures, just really beautiful work. So there's that. Uh, all of the lovely listeners that are listening to this series, um, please, it'd mean the world to us if you subscribe, hit like, leave a review, one of those things, all those things, anything like that. Um, it just tells us to make more of this content and that this is important and having conversations about ethical end-of-life care is worthwhile and you want us to do more of it. Uh, and that is all for today. We will see you in the next